When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, listeners? Welcome to the latest episode of River City 93, brought to you by Roughneck Scars, Icarus FC, the Beautiful Game Network, and of course, for the culture. I'm your host, as always, Elliot Barr, and is joining me is the most underrated goalkeeper in all of USL, Mr. Karen Fitzgerald. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for having me. I appreciate that intro. No, no problem. Look, we over here at River City 93 have always been saying, like, this man deserves more, more respect in the league. I know sometimes the players won't say it, but we'll be the voice for you guys to say it for you, all right? <laughs> I got a lot of love for you guys, man. I appreciate that. So it's great uh, It's great hearing that from you and uh, from the rest of the, the supporters. But, yeah, I got nothing but love for you guys, too. So thank you. No, nah, no problem. No problem at all. So we always ask any player that come on here, just we always want to figure out, like, how did you get involved in the game of soccer? Yeah, for me, I think – I was really young. I grew up in Baltimore, and I just remember like one of the first teams I played for um, out there. I remember we had like these black T-shirts as our jerseys, but I just remember just loving the game. I imagine my parents just kind of put me into it because it just kind of threw me in all different sports growing up, and it just definitely was something that I just loved doing, um, loved watching. It was really difficult growing up kind of watching games because they're really hard to find in the U.S., but Anytime there's a game on, you know, I was watching it, filming it, not recording it on a VHS tape, and just I just fell in love with the game. So um, I definitely have to give credit for my parents for just letting me kind of figure out my way with sports and just exposing me to a lot of different things, for sure. Was there any other sport that you were, like, really, really good at, or you just tried any and everything? I pretty much played everything. Um, the, the other sport that I really – played at a pretty high level was lacrosse in Baltimore. Lacrosse is very, very big. So I played up into high school for lacrosse and then soccer got a little um, more serious. So it took up a lot more time. So it was hard to, to give the kind of commitment I needed to play lacrosse at that level. Um, so yeah, it was, um, those are the two big sports for me, but uh, soccer was always my, always has been my number one love for sure. So normally when it came into soccer, like, did you start off as a goalkeeper or did you start off as an attacker? And then they were like, all right, we're going to, Kind of move you down the packing chain. How did it go for you? Yeah, I, I think I definitely started in the field. I remember playing in the field growing up, and obviously I'm an undersized goalkeeper, and I've always been – I've never been, like, a huge kid or anything like that. So um, usually it's kind of the story of, like, the other guy's big, just put him in goal kind of thing, whereas for me it was, like, does anyone want to play in goal? And I was like, I'll play. Like, I just want to be on the field and play. So I was like, I'll jump in. And then it just kind of grew from there. I was like, I didn't want to get off the field. I always wanted to play, and not a lot of kids were wanting to play in goals. So I was like, I'll keep playing, and I just really loved it. Um, so, yeah, it was more a case of just wanting to play as much as I could and just wanted to be on the field. And then next thing I know, I'm playing all the time and I'm doing pretty well at it. And so I just kept kind of climbing the ladder that way. Mm. So you said you're from Baltimore and everything like that. You also play some indoor soccer. How, how, was that, how did that go for you? 
Yeah, I played um, indoor soccer in Baltimore was really big. And uh, the Baltimore Blast is very, very big in Baltimore. Um, you know, in the 80s and stuff like that, it was like one of the biggest uh, attractions in the city, uh, selling out the arena. And I remember growing up, going to games. At one point, they were called the Baltimore Spirit. And um, so I remember watching them there. And, uh, and yeah, I got I was lucky enough to play for them for a season. And it was just an incredible experience. Um for goalkeepers, it's great because it's uh, you use your feet a ton. You have to you have to be really comfortable with your feet playing out of the back because um, keeping possession. You know, there's only five other players on the on, on the field at once, so a lot of the attack is going through you. So it really helped grow my game and being comfortable using my feet. Um, and then it's just a uh, you know there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences too in the way the game is played. So I think it just kind of made me more well-rounded in a way of seeing the game played a different style, a different way, um, and just learning it, uh, a different, a different system. And so it was, it was a lot of fun. It just, um, it worked out good my first year because it's played in the off season It's about a three month, three to four month season. But after my first year, it's kind of hard not having any time off at all. My body is, it's a little bit tougher on your body and indoor. Um, the training is, is difficult because you're diving on, you know, hard surfaces and, the shots are coming in from really tight angles with a lot of pace. So it can put a number on your body. So I was more focused on, you know, trying to make it as outdoor goalkeeper. So I decided that, you know, one year was good. I really loved that year, but um, I wanted to focus on being an outdoor goalkeeper. Mm, I, I can imagine. I did like t- one season of outdoor, I mean, indoor. And I was like, I can't do this <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, it's different, right? For sure. It, for sure. it is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, so also you had an MLS tent for NYCFC, how was that experience for you? And what was like some of the cool things that you saw behind closed doors? Yeah, I mean, it was honestly a dream come true. Like, honestly, when I was playing that, I wanted to make it to the highest level I could make it to. And making it to the MLS was truly a dream come true. Um, and just seeing it at that level is is pretty eye-opening. Um Obviously, NYCFC is owned by the City Group, which is you know the group that owns Man City, then a team in Japan and uh, Australia as well. Um, so it's a very, very big company, and so just kind of seeing that side of things was um, very new to me as well. I'd been in the NASL before that, um, and so the way the clubs are run is night and day, really. Um, one of the coolest experiences was we got to go do preseason tour over at. Um, in Manchester, and they had just opened their new training facility over there for um, Man City, which has the first team, the women's team, as well as all the youth teams in one area. And it was just like a new state-of-the-art facility, brand new academy and, and women's stadium, which is right across the street from the Etihad. And so just kind of being in that environment was was unbelievable. Um, and then obviously being able to be around someone like David Villa on a regular basis and having to, uh, you know, being the lowest, one of the low man on totem poles as a goalkeeper, you are lucky enough to be able to stay after and do all the finishing and just kind of seeing the quality of finishing from someone like that. You really realize why he was a, a European and World Cup champion, played at the highest level of Barcelona and, and those kind of things. So you just kind of want to soak in as much as you can and see what this quality is like and how he handles himself on the field. And it was really just an amazing, amazing opportunity for me. And I'm really grateful I had that chance for sure. Mm. Yeah, I imagine that had to be a dope experience being there, like an expansion MLS side and, you know, figuring everything out. Yeah, um, it was really cool. We had to go to, um, we played Orlando <clears throat> game of the season down in Orlando when there, so it was the first year that both Orlando City and New York City were in the MLS. 
So there was like 60,000 plus down there, the Citrus Bowl before uh, Orlando moved into their new stadium. And then I was actually on the bench as well for the uh, first game at Yankee Stadium because that's where NYCFC plays. So that was a really cool experience to be in such a historic stadium in the U.S. and being there and experiencing that and getting the first win in the franchise. So it was like a really a lot of really, really cool highs for sure. And um, Obviously, I wish it would have lasted a little bit longer, but that's just the nature of the business. And that's another thing that I learned as well being in there. So that was just another learning experience. Yeah. So also on your playing career chart, um, you also have a team that dropped down to USLE one this past year. They kind of hit with their nature in North Carolina FC. Are you excited to go against them, seeing that you played there before, or is it kind of just like it's another team with a schedule? I'll deal with it when I deal with it. I think uh, naturally, whenever you play a team that you have played for in the past, there's a little bit extra uh, motivation there. Um, a little bit extra excitement. Um, it's a beautiful stadium, a, a, a really, really well-run club um, with the new ownership. Um, and so I'm really excited to play them. I think uh, I have a lot of people that I still know there. I had a great time while I was there. I mean, they're the club that helped give me my first chance as a professional. And then because of my growth there, I was able to go to the New York City FC. And if it wasn't for them, you know, none of that would have been possible. So I'm forever grateful for that club and everyone that's there and definitely really excited about playing them. Um, we got to play them a few years back in the Open Cup, um, and that didn't go the way we would have liked, but I'm really excited to get a chance to go at them again this year. Um, I think we get four chances at them, so that's going to be a lot of fun. It's really fun playing teams that are regionally close. You know, want to create those kind of regional rivalries, and I think it's great for the players and the fans and the clubs to have that. And yeah, definitely want to get the best of them and get four wins this year against them for sure. So I have to ask, since you brought the regional rivalries, um, are there any team that you get really, really pumped up for in USL League one to play? I think you always want to play the best teams, and obviously Greenville is, is proven to be one of the top teams the last two years, and you have to give them credit where credit's due, and they're consistently one of the best. So obviously we always want to take them and challenge yourself against them, and and we've been very good against them. We've always, uh, you know, the Bonds of Course Cup is something that they've created, and we've been able to take that the last two seasons. And that's important to always have trophies in our in our cabinet and, and have those kind of bragging rights. So, yeah, I think Greenville being close again, like you said, another regional rivalry is is definitely a club that we want to always, you know, compete against and be on the same level as them, and and then surpass them and, and really show that we're we're a top club for sure. Yeah, most definitely. We got to show that we can, uh, you know, keep the trophy cabinet full. <laughs> um, so you've been in Richmond since 2019. What was it about Richmond that made you want to be a part of this club? You know, what made it be like, yo, I want to be here more than just for the season one. I want to be here for a long term. Yeah, I've been, I had been played against Richmond a few times when I was in Tampa and, and, you know, I remember it was really, it's really crazy. Like uh, I remember being with Tampa and me and my roommate coming into Carytown. We ate at Ginger Tie, and I remember just kind of walking around Carytown, being like, "Damn, the city is like, serious cool. Like I could definitely see myself like living in this area." You know, come to find out two years later, I'm literally living two blocks behind Ginger Tie, and you know, a block away from the stadium. I really love like old stadiums, like City Stadium. I just feel like they have so much character and. It's just like a different vibe than, you know, brand new stadiums are cool, but I just really like, you know, that that kind of cauldron of like an old stadium just feels really cool for me, like being in like the depths of it, like underneath the stands in the locker room and stuff like that. I, I enjoy that. So there's a lot of things like that that kind of drew me to Richmond. And then 
I was lucky enough to have someone like, you know, David Blue who trusted me and wanted me here. And I think that's a big thing as a player where when a coach wants you and believes in you, like it's not something that's very common for a lot of guys. It's, it's it can be rare. So having someone like Blue like really believe me and want us to play a certain style and believe that I could be that guy for him, like that really, you know, sold me on it. Um, obviously that first year didn't go the way that a lot of us envisioned, but there are still so many positive that came out of it. Obviously playing in front of our supporters is like, you know, it's not really comparable to anybody else in league one. Like it's just a whole nother level of energy and love that you get from, from you guys. And so that in itself also just makes it the atmosphere so much more enjoyable as a player. And, you know, missing that last year, I think everyone now sees how important that truly is and how much of a difference that makes in sports. So you know, really feeling that as a player on a regular week in, week out basis when I'm playing at home, you know, makes it easy for me. Like, I don't need to look anywhere else. I love it here. I love the city. I love the club, the way the club's running. I feel like each year it's gotten better and better. And so just to be a part of that, I feel really, really lucky and grateful to be a part of that for sure. Cool. So it's so great to see that you and Long with other players love playing in Richmond. Because it's always like, what made the guy want to come to Richmond? And it's always great to hear you guys, like, responses to it. So I do yeah. have to ask one question, just me personally. When you first came to Richmond, like, did anyone tell you, like, what's the one food spot you got to go to? Or have you mainly just stuck around, like, carry town? No, we definitely – my wife loves, like, to explore and check out different places. So it's a little bit interesting with us because I was a really strict vegan for a while. And then – she kind of got onto that as well because I cook most of our meals, but we kind of have it now we're at home. I cook, mo I cook most of our meals at home and, and those are going to be all vegan, but then we love to go out and explore and try different restaurants. And when we do that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have whatever is like really well known there and whatnot. So we love to explore and try different places. Um, trying to think, we went to a really good Southern restaurant yesterday down by, it's right next to Juan Gonzalez. I, can't, I think it's pretty new. Um, but it was really good. I can't remember what it's called. It's right across the street from like Secret Sandwich Society. I think but, I'm I mean, we, about. we love trying like all sorts of different places. We love going to like Churchill and trying the little restaurants in there, trying to do all the spots in Carytown for sure. Obviously, Scott's Editions are really queer. There's always new spots popping up over there. So, yeah, we love exploring the cities that we're in and, and just kind of trying all the different cuisines and um, we're really open to anything. So we're down for any suggestions that anybody has. Definitely let me know what people's favorites are. What's, I mean, what's your favorite? Um, so for me, I'm a big soul food fan. So you got Mama J's. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Croker Spot. Like if okay. you if you want the best cornbread in the city of Richmond, I advise you go to Croker Spot. Croker Spot. That's Rob. Okay. Rob knows about Croker Spot. Okay. He loves it. Um, yes. Also, like Jamaican food, if you want to go to Karina's, um, okay. there's... A pizza spot, um, I think it's Slim and Huskies. I think they're in Richmond. I got to double check, but that okay. was a dope spot. And then um, since you're like, say you like vegan and vegetarian stuff, there's a spot over there in their VCU. It's called Bodilla's. It's the quesadilla spot. Okay. It's amazing, man. You'll love it. It's a, it looked oh, like a hole in the wall, but yeah. you know, a hole in the wall is the best for you. similar to that, like right on VCU's campus, kind of like, it's almost like in a basement, but it's like really good food down there too. So uh, we love spots like that too, where you just would not expect, you wouldn't want to walk in there if you didn't really know about it, but then as soon as you be like, oh, damn, this is all right. Yeah. So, Richmond has a lot of those spots. Like you'll never believe yeah. like, oh, this place has good food. And you go in there and be like, yeah, oh, exactly. this is amazing. Yeah, we love it. So are you ready? We got all the boring stuff out the way. You know, we went through the career, all that stuff. But that was fun stuff. That was cool. 
<laughs> a couple of the fans wanted to ask you a couple of questions. So are you cool to answer them? Absolutely. All right. So the first question is, um, so this year you transitioned into being a goalkeeper coach and still being the number one goalkeeper on the roster. Um, how is that transition going for you this past offseason? What are some of the pros and cons to doing it? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm really enjoying it. It's obviously super new. We're only like just started week five of preseason. So we're just for myself, it's brand new. I mean, I was lucky enough to do some youth coaching and stuff like that before. Um, but with that, it's very, very different Go transitioning into the professional game um, in terms of preparation and making sure you're taking care of the guys the right way so that, you know, you, we feel ready, but at the same time, you know, don't, don't want to overtrain and these types of things. So um, definitely coach uh, Darren and, and Mika have helped me a lot. They've been super open with me and kind of letting me know, you know, what to kind of look to do and um, what to avoid. Um, but the transition has been awesome. Like I really love the work is what's been like really refreshing to me. It's been, you know, really ignited another fire within me for the game. Um, just seeing that side of things. And, you know, I love playing the session out, playing the week out, and then, you know, kind of reviewing the, the tape of the session, seeing what went well, seeing what didn't work so well, you know, having that dialogue with other goalkeepers. I think in the past, sometimes when you're so focused on being just the player and just the number one, like you can kind of lose that relationship with other goalkeepers at times where you're just so focused on yourself and wanting to perform well that you just kind of get in your own little zone, your own little head, and, and you kind of forget everybody else versus now being in that coaching role. It's, it's, it, I have to be open with them. I have to be teaching them things. I have to be, you know, talking about what I see versus what they see. And, and that's been really awesome. It's created a really good bond in our goalkeeping department. And I'm really, really just loving the work. So it's awesome. Yeah. I imagine there has to be like, trying to figure out how to handle all both roles because it's, sometimes it's like, yo, I have to be the number one. And now other times you have to be like, oh, I'm the goalkeeper coach. I'm pretty sure like trying to balance those two roles is especially difficult. But if anyone can handle it, I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, no, I think um, I'm enjoying the challenge for sure so far. Like I said, it's still very early on. It's only week five of me doing the job, really. So, um, you know, I, I think that, like I said, I think the biggest thing is just creating that positive trust and bond within the goalkeeping department so that we, we all realize that as a goalkeeper, you know, it's such a unique position where one guy's going to play and that's just kind of the nature of the position. We've all grown up in the role. Everyone wants to be the number one. That's why we're here. That's why we're playing the game is to get games. And, and, and we have to respect that kind of, you know, mentality that we all have. But at the same time, like if the training is good, if it's clear on what we're trying to do and we're part of this group of trying to win a championship, then, you know, ultimately the decision is out of our hands. It's up to Darren to make the decision on who's going to play, what's best for the team. We just have to prepare the right way, work to make sure that we're getting better individually, we're going to make sure we're getting better as a goalkeeping group, and that's going to lift the whole team up. So when I put it into that kind of focus and that kind of lens, you know, it's it really helps me to want to keep pushing these guys and get better and grow my game, grow their games and stuff like that for sure. Mm. I imagine the training sessions are like very intense, but also like very fun field at the same time. Yeah, I think I'm just I'm still trying to find that balance as well. Like, you know, one of the big things Darren said to me is like, you can't do everything in one day. Like as when he first came in the first week, I'm trying to do like a million different drills. So I want to do this. I want to do that. Like, this is what I think goalkeeping look, should look like. And then you realize like, OK, you have like time. It's going to take a whole season and take years. It's going to take whatever to kind of figure these things out. 
So just kind of finding that balance is really important. I think a big thing for me is just kind of understanding like kind of I work I like to work backwards from the game that we're expected to play. So we'll look at the opponent that we're going to play, kind of see what their, you know, patterns and trends may be and then that really helps me build out my sessions as well as then, you know, focusing on our game model and how our team wants to play, making sure our goalkeepers can play within that model very well. So those two things kind of help guide me and then trying to make sure that you know, I do the right stuff that make us all feel really sharp and good. So you, like we said earlier in the podcast, you've been there for three years. What is one thing you're looking to improve in your game, whether individually or as a team, you guys looking to improve upon going into year three? So I think um, a big thing is this year is I think we'll see a different uh, style of play um, in terms of, Last year, we were wanted to be very direct, get to goal as quickly as possible. And that was really important for us to have that as a foundation within our game. And this year, we're going to be building on that kind of stuff. So for me personally, I think it really helps me in terms of, you know, being able to have a more possession oriented in terms of building out from the back. We want to do that. And then, you know, through that possession, be able to create the spaces so then we can go attack teams. And I think we'll be much more versatile and we'll have the ability to, if we need to go direct, we can go direct and be very quick to goal. We we'll have tons of pace, as well as now we have some guys um, in the midfield who are very comfortable on the ball, even with pressure on them, you know, center backs that are very comfortable on the ball, you know, outside backs, I love to get forward. So it's just going to be more layers to our game now that it's in year two with, with Darren and um, building on last year. So I think for me, yeah, just being more comfortable doing that. I think that's one of my strengths in my game. It always has been is being comfortable on the ball in possession. So just really bringing that into the team as well as, you know, obviously I'm a much older guy than a lot of the guys here. So using that experience and that knowledge of the way I see the game to really help them up throughout the 90 minutes um, to make sure that guys are in the right position, you know, defensively in the right position when we attack and, and just giving them a lot of really good positive information that we can use to help build each other up. Yeah, I think that was one thing that really caught my attention last year because obviously we didn't have a full stadium. So I we could clearly hear you. But it's yeah. just how loud you are. Like, it's not like you're yelling, but it's like your voice, it has like an echoing boom to it when you're like talking about direction. We're like, I can really hear Kira today. Yeah, for sure. I think that's always been one of my strengths. Everyone's always saying like, damn, dude, like you can like, I can really hear you like all the way over there. Like you're loud. And it's like, it's like, yeah, like I think that's whenever I've listened to like some of the greats in the game talk about it, it's just always such an important thing that they talk about. I think one of the big ones that always sticks out in my mind is when Tim Howard is playing for New York Red Bulls. I can't remember the center back that was in front of him, but it was a world-class center back who was now in MLS and just telling Tim to like, dude, don't ever shut up. Just keep yelling at everybody, keep talking. And and that's what's important. And like, you have to organize back there. And so I think that's a big part. Something just a big part I've always taken is like, you know, I have such a unique view of the game. You know, you're not running around for 90 minutes. So, you know, physically you're able to, see things differently too and you can communicate that you know guys are running for you know all this time that it's hard to be yelling as well versus a goalkeeper your movements might not be as much but you can really direct guys and then when guys guys start to trust you and you start to give them good inf good succinct information then they start to trust you and you can start really moving guys in front of you like chess pieces and, and really take away lanes and these kind of things and that's really important in my opinion for a goalkeeper to be able to do that yeah i imagine so and that's one thing that we realized last year in the, uh, in the stands about how you really are like a quarterback back there. Like you really are directing traffic and setting up plays like well in advance of how everything else is going. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think, like I said, I think that's such an important part of a goalkeeper's game. I think a lot of young goalkeepers need to do that more. You know what I mean? If anything, I would say for young goalkeepers, just talk more. You, you know, you can't talk enough because I've I've never come across a youth goalkeeper that I've thought, oh, this guy's talking too much. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's always easier to talk too much. And then eventually it goes like, all right, now you're giving too much information versus like for guys who get into a kind of a rhythm where they don't want to talk. They just kind of play the game and, and they could be very, very successful at that. But I just think it's another layer to the game that is so important for a goalkeeper to have. Hmm. So this year we're Richmond. We signed two new goalkeepers behind yourself. I got, I want to ask you a question, but I'm going to ask it after this. Um, Austin Aviza and Austin Casey, who, just happened to be the first, uh, second generation player in Richmond Kickers ha- history. What can we expect from them this year? And if you could tell us, do you expect, can fans expect to see him on the field in any point this year? I think, um, in terms of what you can expect from them, um, obviously, Visa's coming from Orlando City B, where he got a lot of games last year and did very well. Um, obviously, as a team, they struggle, but him individually is a very good goalkeeper had a very good college career as well before that. And he's got a great frame, a great build to him, um, very good shot stopper, you know, dominant in the air. Um, and so, again, he's still very early also on in his in his pro career. This is only, I think, his second season as a pro. So he's still learning the game on, on that side of things as well and that kind of rhythm. But I think, yeah, I mean, he's a great goalkeeper. I think he's if he has to step in and play games and when he's asked to do that, he's going to do a great job, I think. Uh, you know, he's, you know, we're still, again, getting to know each other in terms of it's only being, he came in a little bit earlier. So me and him were lucky enough to work before preseason together, but really within the team setting, it's only been five weeks in the preseason. So it's very early, but I think, you know, if he has to step on and when he gets a chance to step on, he's going to do a great job for sure. Um, Austin Causey is, like you said, so cool to be involved with someone like that, who's, you know, a second generation player for a club. It just shows you how successful this club has been to be around for so long that that's even a possibility. Um, and to hopefully follow in his dad's footsteps of winning such a big trophy like the Open Cup, you know, I hope that he can do something similar because, you know, at 19, he is miles ahead of anything I was ever at 19 years old. So he is, he's got like, you know, he's got all the tools there. Um, you know, we're going to keep developing those things and, and, and so that he can be sharper every day. It's a, a big learning curve for him in terms of training daily at this kind of level um, and performing every single day at this level, just in practice setting alone. And he's done a great job. He's, he's really proven that he can do that. So if, you know, if he's called upon as well, I think he'll step in and he will do another, he's a, capable of doing a great job as well. So I think our goalkeeping department is, is really, really great. Um, we've done a really good job. The, the staff did a really good job finding some really great goalkeepers, but also really great character guys that are really going to raise, you know, all areas of our game and, and that competition I talked about is super healthy, strong competition where we all want to be on the field. We all want to play and that's important to have. And so that's going to push all of us to keep getting better. But at the same time, it's very, a very respectful way of, you know, wanting the best for each other and ultimately wanting the best for the team. Mm. So I wanted to ask this question. When it came to signing these two new goalkeepers, were you a part of the signings and been like, hey, guys, not only I'm the number one goalkeeper, I'm also your goalkeeping coach? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit. It's definitely I'm sure it's an awkward situation for them. I was in a similar situation when I was in North Carolina where uh, older pro was taking over a goalkeeping role as well. 
um, in terms of the signing process, um, a visa was definitely someone that the staff looked at and, and identified as someone that they wanted here. And, um, you know, they asked me if I, you know, remember playing against him and what I thought of him and I gave my opinions, but ultimately with him, it was more of a, a situation with Darren and the staff kind of figuring out this is a guy that we want here. Uh, we really see a lot of potential in him. He was um, drafted by Orlando. They felt that he's you know at that level there. So that was really important that we want, you know, a guy of that kind of standard to come in and, and keep growing here as well. And that's going to help our goalkeeping department and our team grow. So that was more, I think, with Darren and, and, uh, and Mika doing that. And then in terms of Austin Causey was, I think, someone that kind of came on our radar a little bit later. Um, I was lucky enough to train actually with myself, him, and Chloe were working in the offseason together a few times. And I was really impressed working in our sessions together there. Then he came into the combine, um, showed really well in the combine, and then, came into preseason with us and just, you know, kept going from there. So he's just kind of taken, kept going forward uh, each step of the way. And that was, I think I would have a little more influence on that one in terms of I got to train with him, you know, individually. I trained him once and then I also trained with him uh, once before he even came into the combine. And I really, I rated him very highly. I thought he was, you know, not only a top goalkeeper, but a really good kid who's really ambitious, wants big things in the game but also very humble and, and wants to is really is wants to work and he understands that it's going to take a lot of work to get to where he wants to get to. Mm, so I look forward to seeing how both of these two develop underneath your leadership. Um, I'm going to ask you to put on your coach's hat real quick. Which player in the field uh, became Richmond Kickers fans expect, you know, kind of be that surprising player that not a lot of people are talking about? Not a lot of people are talking about. I think that that might change a little bit, but I think, um, you know, I love these Argentinian guys that they're bringing. Obviously, everyone loves Emmy, absolute legend already, winning the MVP, scoring the, the kind of goals he was scoring. You know, I think he's going to kick on to another level this year, um, especially with the support that he'll have around him with Zaka and Hernan. Um, just through our spine, I think we're so strong. Um, I think Zaka is someone that may go under their radar for a lot of people because they won't understand the intricacies of his game in terms of what he's able to do. But the way that he plays that 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 role is he he can break up so much defensively, but then in, on the flip side of it, he's one of those guys that as we build out, you can really play in balls with pressure on him and he'll take care of it. He understands how to protect it the right ways, what areas to move the ball into. And they're not in the same way in terms of giving us that backboard where we can play a ball up to a guy at top who's going to hold it up and allow other guys to join in. And then obviously we've seen in preseason already that when he gets his chances, he he can bury him. So um, he might be, I think, more because he's going to be scoring. I think he's going to be scoring goals for sure. Um, and, and I think because of that, he'll get a lot of a lot of love that, that he deserves. But I think Zaka for me is just I love playing with Zaka. I love having him in front of our back line and then being able to build out through someone like him. Is a, I think he's a top player for sure. Mm, okay, okay. So I want to ask this question because, you know, we're still kind of in the middle of a pandemic. You know, the world's kind of getting slowly back in order. But if you can go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give him? Pre-pandemic myself, younger self, or like way, way younger self? Mm, Pre-pandemic self. <laughs> Pre-pandemic self. Um, man, I think it's just like, just to kind of almost relax and not worry so much. You know, it's it was so, you worried about everything. I was worried about everything. Like, are we going to have a season? And what's going to happen? What's going to happen with my, my dad? What's going to happen with my wife's parents? Like, 
you're just so worried and just like versus just like trusting that you know things are going to play out the way they need to play out like there's going to be difficulties there's going to be highs there's going to be lows but it's important to like for me to really focus on my well-being and if you can be in a place of calm and ease within yourself there's always going to be things that go on around us you know what i mean that are completely out of our control and so when we start letting those things really affect us myself and i let that that's the kind of stuff affect me in a really negative way then it, everything gets amplified in terms of being way worse whereas if i really give myself that time to just kind of be at ease within and trust what's going to happen that i can handle it that all, we can all handle this as we get through these things that you know it's going to be all right and you're going to be stronger and day by day everything's going to get better and you're going to get stronger and like you said we're still in this pandemic we're still people are still suffering greatly from it and you know I, i hope for them that they can find bits of peace within their days because yeah it's difficult man it's still very difficult for a lot of people and um so yeah just that would be my advice is just find ways that you can really tune into yourself to give yourself that chance to find peace cuz it's really easy to get worked up over a lot of the stuff yeah it is and finding that balance of just like mellowing out when you know you need to is very very key and important trust me i know that lesson as a teacher this year Controlling what you can control is is essential. <laughs> and what what grade do you teach? Um, so I'm a 12th grade um, youth GED teacher. So I pretty much help wow. kids between the ages of like 16 and 19 help them get their GEDs for Richard public schools. I can't even imagine like the how much that would have interrupted everything with them, like their plans and stuff like that. That age, like to everything be ruined like that is just like that's not the same. Like. You know, you we might get through this pandemic, but those kind of things that a lot of people are suffering, there's been long-term things like that that they have to deal with because everything got interrupted. And I can't even really it's hard to imagine that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that for sure in points of, you know, taking that time for yourself. Yeah. Um so one last question. I know you're super busy today, but who's your favorite all-time goalkeeper and why? Yeah, my favorite goalkeeper is Iker Casillas for sure. Um I think there was obviously you know people always compare with the build and that kind of thing so yeah it's great to see undersized what people consider undersized goalkeepers playing at the very highest levels and i mean there's no higher level than playing for real madrid in spain and winning two euros winning a world cup multiple champions league multiple la ligas this guy did it all and would've been considered an undersized goalkeeper's whole career and i think what really stands out to me is his ability to just always make the big save in the right moment like you know if you maybe go through a goalkeeping textbook for a certain a certain person's goalkeeping textbook they would say oh Casillas is a very good technically whatever but when it comes down to huge moments he always won them you know whether it be in that world cup where in the quarterfinals he says a piece same penalties against Paraguay or the final against a one-on-one against Robin or in the euro saving penalties against Italy like this dude just subbing on in the Champions League final against Bayer Leverkusen before Zidane hit his volley that everyone remembers he was making saves like off the line that he had to sub into this game like this guy and and the technique that he used probably was like poor technique by some people's definition right but like the fact that this dude would just win these moments over and over again is just like that's a really inspiring to me and like I hope to like win some of those moments like that you know in a career just you know I don't think everyone can ever make the kind of saves that he made at at, at the consistency that he made him but I think that's really what for me 
you know, makes him so great is that he consistently in the biggest moments always came through for his team. Because if you look at Spain, when he's playing for Spain, they play that tiki-taka style that everyone loves. Like they have Victor Valdez on the bench. And Victor Valdez played for Barcelona. He's probably a better goalkeeper in that system to play at the back than Casillas. But Casillas was the captain. He's winning those games. He's staying in the team, keeping Valdez out, who was at the time probably like one of the best goalkeepers in the world and would have probably maybe fit that system better. But as a goalkeeper, he's just winning these huge moments consistently, and that's just awesome. Yeah, I can see that comparison a lot between you and Ike Casillas. That's part of another question in my head. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, <laughs> how is it, you know, being a professional and being an undersized goalkeeper? I mean, normally when most people think goalkeepers is like they think like six foot plus and things like that. How do you do? How do you go about it on the field of play? How do you go with it? I think I just use what I'm good at. You know what I mean? And I I focus on those things. Like uh, I'm not six three. Um, you know, I'm not like built like a built like an Avisa. You know what I mean? So I can't play the way that he position the way that he plays it. But at the same time. You know, my reading of the game, I think, is one of my best attributes in terms of defending not just my goal, but the space and these kind of things. And, you know, that's a really big thing that, you know, a lot of people think that goalkeeping, all it is, well, how many saves did he make in the game? Or, or then that determines if they had a good game or not. Whereas there's so many, for me, in the art of goalkeeping, there's so many intricacies in terms of how did you defend the space behind your back line? How did you organize your team? How did you play within possession? And, and these kind of things. You know, as I get older, I, I see the game differently and I play the game a little bit differently. And I use those things to my advantage in terms of understanding different angles or different spaces that, you know, the attacker might likely go into and these kind of things and trying to use those to my advantage. And so that's what I think I, I would be different. In, and I try to exploit those things um, is uh, definitely what I what I look to do in my game. Mm, OK, OK. Well, the season kicks off uh, April 17th up in New England. I know you guys are ready for it. Akira, we are rooting you on. Um, Is there anything you want to say to the listeners before we wrap up today's show? Yeah, definitely. I just want to say thank you guys so much. You know, you make, it's hard to put into words how much of a difference you guys really make and how much we really appreciate the love and support you guys have for us. You know, and I've been lucky enough to experience through, you know, through the low times and some of the high times. So um, and just to see that that's it's unwavering is just really it really is, you know, hard to put into words. But thank you so much. Got nothing but love for you guys. We're going to go out there, put this shirt on and, and represent your club to the best of our abilities and, and really hope that we can make you proud. And, and we want to be giving you guys a trophy at the end of the year for sure. Super look forward to it. Well, listeners, as always, you can support the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast hosts. You can also uh, look at the live version of this show at YouTube at River City 93. As always, Akira, thank you for joining us today. And listeners, we'll talk to you guys later. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys.